Welcome everyone to Lessons with Mike. I'm here today with Jamie. Hello. So a couple weeks ago, I uploaded the interview that I did with the Republican man from Florida, where we talked about his perspectives on Governor DeSantis. And now, as promised, we have part two, where I interview some uh, a, a, Florid- a Floridian who is not a big fan of DeSantis. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want a catchy headline, Florida man rants against DeSantis, as opposed <laughs> to ranting for. <laughs> I love that. That's a good title. I might have to go back and change the other one to that. Uh, but but yeah, it'll be the same exact questions as the other episode. There's, I'm going to try as hard as possible not to insert my own biases. But for those of you who have listened long enough, you, you already know what my biases are. But but yeah, let's just get to it with my first point. Jamie, if you don't mind, could you give like a, a brief background of yourself and how long you've been in Florida? Yeah, sure. So I've been in Florida for about 23 some odd years uh moved halfway through high school picked up from jersey and moved down here and actually you know like florida a little bit more uh in the meantime i did leave florida i spent uh four years in the air force traveling around the country and then i came back that's awesome yeah Um, so you've been to a lot of places i would imagine yeah, yeah. You know, I've lived up in Colorado where there's a lot of sunshine and no air. I lived in Alabama where there's a lot of air and humidity and uh, a lot of Alabama. You know, some spent some time in Virginia, got to know the, the northern Virginia area pretty well. So I've, I've bounced around a little bit. I came back to Florida. Um, you know, warts and all, the, I think that the state is, you know, it's, it's pretty good. It just gets a bad rap because every headline out there is is made public or every arrest is made public due to the sunshine laws so one of my favorite things to do uh, if you're listening google florida man and the day you were born to find an interesting fun headline <laughs> yeah 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 so on slow news days because every, all the court proceedings all the arrest warrants are made uh, public by florida state law you know journalists if they have a quota to fill they can just google florida court cases and you know that's good for 500 words so yeah. gets a lot of coverage you know there's no no such thing as bad coverage though right i guess <laughs> yeah and here's the thing these things happen worldwide i mean where i live in north carolina there's crazy people that i see all the time i used to work at a, a facility that the goal of the facility was to help people who are addicted no longer be addicted who knows if they were successful but that was their goal so i saw right. a lot of things there and the laws are different in other states where you can't really be as open in publishing about various arrests and whatnot. But for those of you who have this idea about Florida, you really see these headlines. But the reality is these things happen all over the country. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Um, but, you know, we got to put our own Florida spin on them because, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to do it with flair. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I've been to Florida a few times. I love the atmosphere. I love the environment. I've been to uh, I've been to Jacksonville, which was, you know, honestly, a little bit nicer than some of the major cities in North Carolina I've been to. But but thank you for that. Let's move on to this next part. So could you give a background about your history and politics, how you got involved and and how you came to develop the beliefs you have now? Yeah. So I have had an interesting journey politically. Um, So back, you know, when I became aware of politics as something more than what they made fun of on on TV, I started to think of myself as as a Republican. And so I, I, you know, my high school self, my young and naive high school self thought, oh, boy, if I'm going to make it in this world, I want to make it on my own, Uh, you know, low taxes, small government, Mm -hmm. that that appeals to me. And it felt like that ever since then you know as soon as i was old enough to vote i believe uh to my shame i voted for w in the re-election so at one point i did consider myself a republican but over the past 15 years or so the party really started to drift to the point that even though i still think of myself as a center uh you know centrist uh who believes that hey maybe the government should provide services you know like roads and you know utilities and other stuff that the the private market isn't necessarily good at or maybe you know looking around at the rest of the world that uh if you know universal health care is such a hard problem to solve then why have 30 
32 of the other 33 top developed countries in the world uh, all managed to wrangle it and it's still a problem for us so i started to dig around i i you know i read some books um and just began to identify more with the party that was willing to govern and willing to consider the needs of the populace as opposed to the GOP, which is kind of a husk of the party that I thought I was signing up for back when I was young and naive in high school. You have a, a that's very interesting. It's very similar to the way I grew up and I grew up, I was raised Oh, you ha- uh, more churchy on my end. It's like, oh, you, you have to vote Republican, Democrat, oh, yeah. the devil, blah, blah, blah. you know, in the South, you know, that these are just things that you're told growing up. And once you become 18, it's like, oh, I'm so excited. I can finally vote. I'm going to I'm going to vote the way the Lord wants me to. And, you know, in the South, the way the Lord wants you to is GOP, because <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yep, but yep. It, it very similar to what happened to you. I started reading things and when I went to college, especially that was particularly helpful. And I also have a, a very, I my regrettably, my first vote was uh, for Mr. Trump and oh. uh, yeah, not, not a good first one, but you know, I justify it by saying I have a 100% uh, accuracy rate because I was right. Both elections of who I voted for. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, personal growth is, is good. I respect that. Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot through talking to people and through experiencing things outside of your own bubble and outside of because growing up for me my only contact with anyone was oh you go to school you go to church and that's it but once you experience different perspectives i think your mind becomes more open to other possibilities and i think that's a really good thing to to establish growth in a person leading to something we'll talk about later in the segment his education policies I think they're designed to limit the amount of interaction you have with people who think differently than you, because going forward, that limits your growth as a person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But very briefly, if you could, in just a few words, describe what you think about Governor Ron DeSantis. Oh, man, I got to be I got to be choice here. You're limiting me with uh, a couple. Yeah, I put you on the spot with this one. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> bobble-headed uncharismatic fascist wannabe <laughs> i'm so glad you said bobble-headed because that clip of him oh man yeah it, and he's I, I i swear if it finally came out that he was a, a robot or like three raccoons in a <laughs> trench coat driving a robot i i would believe it um yeah. it'll just, come out that uh elon musk built him in a laboratory one day as part of his yeah. master plan i I that would not surprise me. I mean, well, what you know, honestly, what would would surprise me is that Elon Musk actually built something that worked. (laughs) (laughs) There's no lie there. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, DeSantis is uh, work asterisks, I suppose. (laughs) That's so interesting, and it tells you a lot about a person when you put them on the spot like that. Because uh, the if you remember the previous episode, listeners. When I interviewed uh, Indigo, he had uh, the complete opposite description. So I just think it's so interesting. We're going to get into this a little deeper, but I'm really glad you mentioned the bobbleheaded thing because as a person, he seems, and I've never met him, but from all the clips I've seen, he does not seem like someone who knows how to communicate with other people. No, no. <laughs> I've uh, Yes, I, I've heard that of what little strengths he has, uh, you know, rubbing elbows, networking, communicating with people, uh, you know, kind of the charisma thing is definitely not one of them. His whole legislative strategy when during his time as, as governor, which is still going on, but yes. I see his strategy as being, this is what we're doing. If you try to oppose me in any way, you are the enemy and we will destroy you. Just so, kind of a forceful approach to leadership. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, his legislative strategy. What uh, what what's making it outside of the state borders? What's the at least the the, you know, the Carolinian impression of DeSantis from uh, up there? Well, I'll be honest with you. In the area I live in, very few people are not hardcore Trump supporters. Many of the people I know, many members of my family, many of my friends are very pro Trump. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because they all hate DeSantis. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so hate because around here, 
my impression is that he's a wish.com Trump. Yeah. So that if, if Trump was unavailable for some reason, possibly due to an orange jumpsuit matching his orange face. Hey, fingers crossed. Yeah, that they would reluctantly vote for him if no one else was was there to fill the tickets. They wouldn't be excited about it, but they they wouldn't feel as bad about it as if they picked, you know, someone like, you know, Scott or Christie or Pence. I've heard things from people that say, oh, he's jumping the gun. He should have waited his turn. He can't wait four more years. He's he's disloyal. Trump helped him and now he's turning his back on him. All these things, which I find like you have to have incredible cognitive dissonance to believe these things, <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. But I feel like what will happen is I don't believe Trump will end up being the nominee. So I feel like if it ends up being DeSantis, the Trump supporters will not turn out for him in any way, shape or form. Maybe maybe in Florida they will. Uh, but around here, the people I know, they're still going to write in Trump's name. I would be surprised if if DeSantis managed to win, you know, like the hearts and minds of, of even Floridians. Mm -hmm. So he barely won his his first go round by like 35,000 votes and he thoroughly managed to win against uh Chris Christie who for those of you outside of the state and maybe weren't paying attention over the past 20 years was a previous governor of Florida but ran as a republican and he was kicked out of the party for maybe the same reason that we disconnected it, where he thought, hey, maybe people should have some rights. Mm -hmm. If you look at uh, 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 Chris, I think that's his oh, name. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Not, not Chris Christie. Charlie Christ. Charlie Christ. Yeah, I was going through like a mind loop in my head. I was no, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I, 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 I'm sorry. My, my wife corrected me from the other room. <laughs> My wife is, uh, is currently in the other room uh, playing Minecraft. So. I, I, I have received a note from the editor. I was wrong. It is Charlie Crist. And see, that's so. what's great about Democrats. We can admit when we were wrong. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, the thing about Charlie Crist, I, I don't know a whole lot about him, but he was a Republican at one point, and then he stopped being a Republican. I think mm -hmm. at one point he tried doing his own little separate party, but those never tend to work out. No. So – the Democrats were not excited to vote for him, so I'm sure a lot of them just didn't vote. No, yeah. So uh, it's it's kind of sad. He he didn't really energize the base. He didn't really energize the party. The uh, Democrats didn't really have as strong a ground game as we were hoping because even though the Republicans were out in force and knocking on doors and uh, getting to know their neighbors and encouraging them to to register and vote – there was still kind of that lingering COVID issue. So unfortunately, a lot of the the grassroots efforts were online. And if you're already plugged into an echo chamber, you already know who you're voting for. Mm -hmm. And the real strength of that grassroots game is being able to get out and reach the independents or the people who aren't paying as much politics or as, as much attention to politics as, you know, some of us are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the tough part because I have, I have a few friends and they, they, they'll just like, they'll say to me, oh, I'm not voting. It's pointless. Uh, both options are terrible. I was like, well, yeah, they're terrible, but they're different degrees of terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so after he essentially handily beat Charlie Crist, unfortunately he just kind of went on a, a campaign of legislative terror. We've, we've talked about that. A little bit before where he essentially used his supermajority uh in the florida congress and in the supreme court to essentially pass a whole bunch of laws that are making a lot of people uncomfortable or you know doing worse hurting people so and, and i would argue the whole reason or maybe not the whole reason but a contributing factor to why he has those majorities is because he strong-armed the legislator previously to draw the maps that he wanted for the districts. Absolutely. Uh, Michigan is positioning itself as the anti-Florida because five or six years ago, there was a citizen-led ballot initiative to write fair districting into the, uh, into the Constitution, and the House didn't have enough power to essentially over, overrule it, overturn it the way that the Florida House has. And so they had fair districts, and now Michigan is 
for every bad turn that uh, the Republicans here in Florida have managed to do, they've managed to do something positive in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I've heard a few things about some some of the things they're doing with the legislature, and I, I really positive things in my opinion. And this leads me back to a point I wanted to make. DeSantis, his whole legislative agenda, I think there's two purposes behind it. The first purpose is to give him some credibility, uh, to give him some ammunition in the primaries. Be like, oh, look at me. I did this thing. You should all vote for me. Yeah. The second reason is because these policies make it more and more unfeasible for left-leaning people to live in the state. So those that can will eventually move out, which will make the state even more Republican. So. Yeah, yeah. So the downside is that there's a lot of industry down here that is fueled by people with with college degrees who, as we saw in 2016 and 2020, did not break for Trump. The engineers who are responsible for rocket launches out of Cape Canaveral, the banking industry out of Orlando, you know, the, the all sorts of, you know, big business hubs down in Miami and Fort Lauderdale. All of those are fueled by college degrees. And when people can choose to work for any company and, you know, take their employment where they want to go, it's, they're less and less likely to come to a state like Florida that doesn't have, you know, fair, open, free schools. It doesn't have uh, well-funded public works and infrastructure. It doesn't have, you know, well-funded libraries. A lot of the kind of the basic community services that make an area nice to live in that aren't sunshine and beaches. Mm-hmm. So that's, let's um, move on to some of his policies in particular. You were just talking about some of his educational policies. So what do you think about his policies in education? <laughs> oh, man. So, I, I mean, I, I think he wants to be in a race with, uh, you know, a race to number 50 as far as the schools go. <laughs> it, he is, it'll be tough competition between arkansas if the right things are going i know i know what what was it that it used to be you know thank god for mississippi because oh, mississippi no. used to be 50 for everything it's like oh you know because there are 10 states that are in the 40s and there's only one in the 50 and usually that's but yeah i don't know you know desantis yeah, yeah. wants that that number 50 spot he wants to be special it's uh it's like they took that bible verse uh, the last shall be first they took it a little too seriously yeah <laughs> it's not golf i swear <laughs> but so I, his education policies just seem so unusual to me like he seems to want to exert a level of control over school systems that doesn't seem reasonable to me and i'm noticing other states uh, particularly in north carolina we have something similar where i'm not i don't know if you're familiar with this but in 2022, the Republicans lost out on a supermajority by one legislative seat. Yeah. And just a few months ago, that one legislative seat uh, person uh, decided out of nowhere that she was switching parties to a Republican. So yes. the past I, few I, months, they've been passing all their legislation and overruling all the vetoes. It's just been wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's that's rough because, yeah, I'd, I'd heard I'd heard about that. I'd heard that she switched, but I hadn't heard that they were just on a, on a rampage trying to undo what little forward progress uh, mm-hmm. was made. They so. have already passed an abortion ban. They have passed uh, a gun law. I'm not too familiar with the specifics on that one, but yeah. and they've also uh, this one hasn't passed yet, but it probably is going to pass something about uh, a school choice bill, which those are never ideal. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so the education policy, I'm, I'm not a fan of. And so, unfortunately, uh, the base is beginning to be more and more defined by groups like Moms for Liberty, mm-hmm. which started down here, actually, in the next county over. But it started, <laughs> you know, in, in our hometown because there was a, uh, a school board member who lost a school board race. And because she was a sore loser, she started this this movement called Moms for Liberty, which initially started as an anti-LGBTQ in, in schools. So essentially trying to undo the the forward momentum that that community had been making into you know school protections. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into anti-masking and anti-vaxxing. And eventually it began to, if not dictate, but echo a lot of these really wacky views that have been 
at the fringes of the GOP, but have been asserting themselves. And you're starting to see you're starting to see state governments uh, react to those, pass laws, because, you know, these Moms for Liberty, uh, again, you know, they they are just uh, uh, trying to be a very conservative populist movement. And they started by attacking the school boards. So by passing laws that make it easier for these people who, once they get voted in, to, uh, you know, kind of hurt people in schools, I'm, I'm going to put it bluntly, that you know, schools where we send we our kids, there should be a lot of protections around schools, mm -hmm. and not from books. <laughs> and so we have a book banning epidemic that's going on here, we have, um, you know, schools not being able to talk about, you know, life issues, mm -hmm. and, you know, have good representation in their stories. And it's not like that, those things existing were hurting people, but their absences. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of a, of a story. So I went to a private school growing up, and one day we had a little training session on what to do if there was ever an active shooter in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And this teacher with the most serious face looked at us and said, if someone walks in with a gun, you pick up your math book and you throw it at them. Poof. Yeah, well, I'm so thankfully, I am the generation, half the generation that never had an active shooter drill. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in high school, it, I, I started freshman year, you know, in, in 99. So that was like right around Columbine and people were getting a little bit edgy, but there wasn't like, oh, we need to have regular active shooter drills. Mm -hmm. And now we have an entire generation of kids, kindergarten through senior graduation, where for them, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, and so occasionally we would have tornado drills, we would have um, fire drills in Florida, there were hurricane days, and so you have an entire generation now that was raised with an issue that, you know, uh, this is, sorry if this is a rant, if this is a tangent, no, but, no, you know, it. so it's like, you know, essentially my, my thought about those active shooter drills is you know, you now have an entire generation of voters where if they could vote away school fires or house fires or if they could vote away hurricanes or tornadoes, uh, they would they absolutely would. And so it's like guns are the leading cause of death among young people. It's like if you could vote away cancer or heart attacks or automobile accidents, you know, don't you think that people would vote for that? It's mm -hmm. just a, a matter of political will. And I think that uh, the the up-and-coming young voters are going to surprise us because, you know, we didn't see how they had active shooter drills. I don't know if it was monthly or yearly, but I'm sure that it was a lot more frequent and they thought about it a lot more than than we did as, as adults at the time. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, throughout school, the frequency increased. It started off being every time, you know, growing up, if there was a big shooting, we'd have a drill. Then it became more frequently. And I'm willing to bet that most anyone around my age, mid-20s, and I'd say going younger than that, people younger than me, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that most people have a story of being in a, a school lockdown situation. Just me, I've been in two. One my senior year in high school and one uh, my junior year, I think it was, in college. Fortunately, only one of those was a shooter on campus, and he ended up not hurting anyone. He was just having a, a mental issue. But yeah, so I think it's really dis. Uh, dis what's the word uh, disheartening there we go that politicians are more concerned with getting those NRA paychecks than they are with keeping children safe and absolutely like absolutely. I don't know what the ideal solution is but I definitely think a good starting point would be to increase background checks would be to increase waiting periods and you know this is an idea that a lot of people I think this is a genius idea and I consider, you know, Karl Marx once said that under no pretext, I'm going to butcher this quote so bad, but under no pretext shall the people surrender their arms, something, yada, yada, whatever. But even as someone who believes that, I think you should treat a gun very similarly like you do a car. You have to have a license to drive a car. You get so many points on your license, you lose your license. It should be very similar, I think, with a gun. I think that would solve a lot of issues. And every time, every few years, oh, you got to go renew your gun license. I, I think that would be solve a lot of problems. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, although while we're while we're out here solutioning, um, another 
another avenue that has absolutely worked in the past. Uh, so something that, you know, the NRA, the gun lobby, Republicans, gun guys, I used to be a gun guy, is is that they repeat the same talking points over and over again. So that way people feel helplessness about the situation. Oh, no, a license wouldn't work. There's too many guns. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. It's a it's a constitutional right. It's an impossibility. But uh, there are a couple of examples of gun control absolutely having a positive effect. Mm -hmm. And it's through the tax stamps. It's why hardcore Second Amendment people hate the ATF and by you know extension, the IRS. Because example one, in the 1980s, the assault rifle ban, you know, the, it was essentially the, a machine gun ban it wasn't a ban, but it was a tax stamp, uh, meant that you couldn't manufacture any new fully automatic machine guns like Rambo uses, mm -hmm. and you couldn't sell or import them. And so the, it didn't make the old ones go away. So the whole there's too many guns for it to be a problem argument doesn't stick because, you know, you used to be able to order a Tommy gun from Sears and they would mm -hmm. mail it to you and you would have a fully automatic, you know, what is it? Uh, Chicago typewriter, as I used to call it. <laughs> and after this, after this, it essentially made it so expensive that in order to buy a machine gun, you can still buy one, but it has to be at this point, man, it was almost 40 years old. Those are the newest ones that you can still buy because they were, you know, pre-ban, pre-legislation, -pre grandfathered in. And you have to undergo a background check. You have to undergo a waiting period. And then you know you pay all this money it's it's really expensive and then you have to buy this antique essentially and since then uh you know fully automatic machine guns have only been used in one mass shooting and that was in the las vegas shooting because it was a, a rich old guy who had the time and the patience to collect this arsenal mm -hmm. but all of your school shootings are fully legal guns that you can get after, you know, a two-day waiting period or a three-day waiting period at most. Example two, similar story, silencers. You know, James Bond, pew, pew, pew. Um, you think that would be really nice to have, and criminals would just, you know, love to have them. Problem is, if you want to get a silencer for your gun, you got to wait a couple months, and you got to buy a tax stamp, which is $400, and then you can have it installed on one gun. Mm. So that amount of legal headaches means that like the number of shootings with a silenced weapon is me measured in like the single digits per decade so gun control works mm -hmm. and that's so i've never heard of a, a shooting happening uh recently or at all actually with a silencer so yeah. that's a good point so yeah. the most common weapon is I'm not sure what the correct term is, and I know some a some NRA guy listening to this is gonna you know tell me I'm using the wrong term, but assault rifles or military grade weapons. Yeah, so, well, I mean, so what you're looking for semi-automatic rifles. Um, I'm gonna get the NRA guy off your back. Okay, thank uh, you. It's just semi-automatic rifles. That means every time you pull the trigger, you don't have to do anything else. A bullet comes out. Pew 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 pew. Not. But rat -a -tat -a -tat, just pew pew pew, uh, and you can pull your trigger a lot of times in you know in a minute. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, just imagine if we applied the same tax stamp to you know semi-automatic long guns or high-capacity magazines. If you if you need more than six bullets in a gun, you gotta wait six months and spend four hundred bucks for it on top of the cost of the weapon. You know, it's like we we've done that in the past, and imagine how much it would slow things down. Mm -hmm. because like even people who say oh i need it for protection okay you can get a handgun relatively easy like easier than that so just get your handgun oh yeah yeah or i mean if you you know it's like if you're out in the country and you're really serious about protection uh shotgun yeah you know there's way less regulations on shotguns than you would think because i believe i'm not sure if this has changed but in north carolina you can actually open carry a shotgun without a permit yeah yeah I, you know there are states i think uh, yeah, Texas, I know, is one of them. I, I think North Carolina might be another where ducks have more rights than human school children because you cannot hunt ducks with a shotgun that has more than three rounds in the magazine. Oh, that's that's that that just that's sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if North Carolina, I'm sure that, you know, if the NRA guy wants to get angry at me at, for that, then, you know, but I, I do know it's it's that way in Texas. So 
And for those of you listening, Mr. NRA man, who is going to leave me a very long, hateful review. We love you, even though we disagree with you. And that's the whole point of this is to understand each other's opinions and find common ground and find solutions. Everyone can agree that little children being shot and killed is not a positive thing. So we, the goal of this is to create a society where we can come together and solve these problems. There are ways to do it. People who say, oh, it can't be done. Don't listen to the, the doomsayers and the naysayers because anyone who's telling you it can't be done has a vested financial interest in preventing it from being done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, you stole my words, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a little bit of a rant there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I don't want to spend too much time on guns. That wasn't even in my list. That was just like a little bonus side point for you listeners. Oh, man. <laughs> but, DVD uh, I, extras. <laughs> I did have one more thing about education that I wanted to say. And that is something I said on my last one I did with the, the Santa supporter. I tried to explain this, and he still disagree, and that's fine. People can disagree. But I think it is a massive waste of resources the way this law is set up because you can have anyone. They don't even have to prove that they've read the book. It can be any book. You can have uh, – let's say, for instance, I, I moved to Florida. I decide that Green Eggs and Ham promotes queer ideologies to the children. And I can go get that book temporarily removed and have it go sit through a long review process. And then it might, the, the committee might decide that it goes back on, but then someone else could do the same thing. Then it'd have to go back off the shelves. It's just, it's such a waste of resources. Yeah. Time resources. It's, it's a stalling tactic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I, I think that, you know, kind of at least, you know, I have to be optimist, optimistic here where the power grabbing and, this this regressive ideology i think it's it might be you know the last last dying gasps of a you know of of a dying political ideology where you know it's like what is it gen x uh they are the last generation to drift more conservative as they've aged and even then it wasn't it wasn't more than a single digit percentages um but like millennials are 60 40 democrat the the up and coming gen z is 70 30 and so these are all stalling tactics where the the minority party is going to try to lock themselves into power mm-hmm. by any means necessary and all these laws it it doesn't take a whole lot of effort for them to write it up and then pass it you know it's it's just a matter of of weeks up in tallahassee and then it's it's months or years where it's tied up in the courts where we have to live with it where we have all of these uh you know we have to split focus you know are we going to go out and knock doors and get a local mayor uh elected or are we going to fight this book ban mm-hmm. so it's it's you know the divide and conquer approach and so it's absolutely thing. sorry <laughs> so oh, no no yeah, that good. was a long way to say absolutely it is wasting resources and it's deliberately so because you know people can only be angry about so many things at a time they know their policies are not popular i don't remember who it was but one governor in some red state said oh we're, of course we're not going to put an abortion vote on the ballot because it would fail we would fail to outlaw it so we have to outlaw it in the legislature mm-hmm. because the people this is a paraphrase but the people will will not vote for it because they won't understand they'll get persuaded by these groups it's like no the reality is an abortion ban is not popular your ideas are not popular even in Kansas, the abortion amendment failed to pass. So, yeah, even even among Republicans, you know, imagine the the party of small government and the party of personal rights uh, believes that uh, body autonomy. You know, some of them believe body autonomy is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, what is it when 60, 70, 75 percent of the country is you know pro choice? you would you know some of them have to be republican voters Mm -hmm. so they recognize that it's even a a losing a losing stance among their their own base and you see several republicans one notable one very notable is uh donald trump is tried to back away from this yeah and now he's starting to lean more into it because the primaries are starting and he's got to appear to be the most conservative but just recently uh I don't know if this is true. I'm hoping it's true because uh, someone I consider a really close friend told me this, but the national, I forget what it's called, some really big anti-abortion group that, that had endorsed Trump when the primary started recently rescinded their endorsement because of some comments he had made. 
I, I bet. Yeah, he historically has never really stood on that issue. Mm-hmm. When other in the 2016 primary, when Ted Cruz and and the other crew were all trying to stand on abortion and you know tax cuts and this, Donald Trump came in and started talking you know immigration and other issues that that felt new and fresh at the time because he wasn't hammering on about abortions. And so I I personally don't think he has a lot of like hard and fast beliefs that aren't about him. Mm-hmm. But I think that in his heart a heart of parts, he knows that abortions are, if not good, at least useful to him. I don't want to say anything slanderous, but you know, people in his position have been known to take advantage of the abortion laws when they need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, and and you know, while we're also talking, you know, uh uh talking up donald trump which is such a i get such a rare opportunity for that besides like oh yeah he he normalized makeup use among men but, uh, oh yeah donald another... trump leftist hero <laughs> leftist hero yeah like you know we, we we had a whole gun rant earlier donald trump in using the executive action to ban bump stocks essentially did more for gun control than obama did mm-hmm. so i think that's yeah. a positive thing i think that has helped i don't think there's been a mass shooting involving a bump stock since then Mm-mm. not that i'm aware of but yeah. i don't want to spend too much time on the education i want to move on to uh to the disney issue oh boy because in my opinion this is an issue that he knows he has lost but at this point he can't back down because he will look bad so he's running himself into the ground with this one i think yeah, he's he's burning a lot of a lot of goodwill. I think a lot of people are looking at this as, you know, kind of just shaking their heads. Um, you know, we're we're big Disney fans. You know, I have small kids, so there's always Disney movies playing. And even back before the whole Disney DeSantis spat, uh, you know, conservatives, they they loved Disney. They didn't dig all the representation, but they didn't really, you know, rail against it. And so when he started to to pick on the mouse, you know, first of all, I think people are are looking at this like, you know, what are what are his decision making abilities? If he is the type of guy who picks a fight, he can't win with Disney. What's he going to do when he's in the White House and he has to do foreign relations with uh, China? And some people have said, oh, this shows how he will never back down. He will stand up for his beliefs. And that's fine and good. But there comes a point where it's not backing down. It's a strategic and tactical withdrawal. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, it's like people forget that, you know, Disney, the mouse, their lawyers, they are world-class in a way that very few can actually say is world-class, you know, because back in the nineties, Disney rewrote international copyright law to their benefit. Mm -hmm. So they have, laws on the books that they pretty much drafted and got passed around the world and DeSantis thinks that the state of Florida is going to win against that yeah it's it's not going to happen other uh Nikki Haley even said oh Disney moved to South Carolina and (laughs) think about how bad the economy in Florida would suffer I'm willing to say about millions of jobs lost oh yeah oh yeah because It, uh... it would be a wasteland there, yeah, it, the tourism is absolutely huge. Before Disney, it was Wikiwachi Springs and Gatorland and, you know, a handful of other things, but there wasn't really a reason to be here. Mm-hmm. But since people would show up to Florida for Disney and on the way in, they'd go, oh, let's stop at this place. Let's stop at that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, entire Entire regional industries have spun up on people going to and from Disney. You mentioned Gatorland. I got to say, I've been there. I love it. <laughs> it is it is something else. It's 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 a great piece of nostalgia. Um, I go, I, I mean, I don't go as often as my wife does because she takes the kids yeah. and they just they just love watching the gators and the snakes. And it's it's grand old Florida in, in a good way. I love that I got that I that I got to pay 10 American dollars and I got to uh, feed a giant tortoise and do all these crazy things that if I had, you know, gone to somewhere else, I would have had to pay hundreds of dollars, but I could go to Florida and pay very cheap prices to do these really cool things. 
Well, that's that's because if you were to, you know, go 100 yards outside of Gatorland, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. If you mm -hmm. found a tortoise, you could feed it for free. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to brush up on my wilderness uh, <laughs> exploration. <laughs> yeah, I, I do not recommend feeding the wild gators, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, well, what I could do is train up an army of gators to, you know, help me take over the, the world thing. So I don't, that'll be a little, a little complicated, but we can try it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I think many have tried to to harness the power of gators down here, but uh, Florida man has definitely tried and probably failed in and every I way. I think it's good that the gators remain supreme. We should not we should not bother. If you're listening, don't bother the wild animals. Let them be. Yeah. They've suffered enough. <laughs> yeah. They already have to live in Florida. What more can you do to them? <laughs> yeah, uh, but. Moving on from, do you did you have anything else you wanted to add about the Disney thing? Um, I just, I mean, I I could watch DeSantis fail all day, and he hasn't won a single battle in this entire war that he's waging. Mm -hmm. And so, if that's how he wants to spend his time, I mean, everyone needs a hobby. <laughs> and the whole thing, I feel like he's pushed them to be more diverse and inclusive than they were previously. Because I remember there was this big thing where some I think it was the director or the writer of the Star Wars movie was out giving interviews about how proud he is to have the first gay Star Wars character. And it's like a two second scene in the background and you have no idea who it is. Yeah. And now I feel like after he's pushed this, the diversity and inclusion in Disney films has become has become greater than it was previously. Yeah, I mean, I, Maybe I feel there's like... no correlation. Who knows? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it felt like it was it was definitely on the upswing because they were definitely, uh, you know, at least over the last 15 years with, I, you know, Tangled, I think, is the start. But, you know, people will point at Mulan where there's like a line where you can trace with, um, you know, empowered female heroes giving giving, you know, young girls role models that look like them that they can look up to. And so this feels like like an expansion of that where you know young kids get to see themselves in their their fairy tales in because to kids you know these disney movies are their culture and so they get to see themselves reflected in this culture or in their culture and that is really powerful and really positive and i mean i'm sure it's also very profitable because disney is a corporation after all but yeah i'm not sure if uh if this directly led to oh who who uh, Chapek being replaced because Chapek was was a lot more conservative um, mm -hmm. than than the guy who left before it, and they brought him back. And so I could I could see this maybe being you know accelerated a little bit. But mm -hmm. I think you're right that uh, it, it it's definitely a trend. I don't know what role DeSantis has had in it. We'll, we'll be studying this twenty years from now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure that the shenanigans that the board played is going to be taught in contract classes, uh, f you know, from now on, because it's updated case law and the, the Disney lawyers essentially used it as an exercise in running laps around the uh, Florida government, uh, granting all sorts of rights to the Disney Corporation and uh, abandoning rights as the board. They voted, they did it above board, uh, you know, legally airtight. There's not a court in the world that's going to take this contract down. And professors are going to love to teach this because it's super relevant and it's Disney. Everyone knows Disney. We could spend hours talking about education and what they're doing in the school system. And it's, you, when you said professors, that reminded me of like 10 more things I wanted to talk about. But <laughs> right. <laughs> so before we get into talking about and one, one more point I have about the diversity and the inclusion of LGBT people in media. If you don't include these types of representations in media, then a, a child, let's say a child in rural Arkansas is going to think, oh, gay people are the enemy. Gay people are terrible. Right. But then maybe seeing a piece of media that portrays one of these uh, one of these people in a positive light, that could be the start of changing their mind. So that's right. something. This goes back to what we said earlier. They want to increase the amount of exclusion that people have, so that way they're more willing to vote for their unpopular ideas. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's not even it's not even that that they're represented in a positive light. It doesn't even have to be that far. They don't always have to be the hero, mm -hmm. but it could be enough for them to be normal to show that people, 
you know, LGBTQ, uh, you know, different races, disabilities, that they're represented and they're shown as as normal people. You know, it's like, oh, if these characters aren't treating this person special or differently, then, you know, I shouldn't treat little Timmy any differently or special. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, exactly. it's just normal. And so the war on this is all about denormalizing. And that's that's one of the levers of control where they try to denormalize entire groups of people. They did the same thing with illegal immigrants at one point. Mm -hmm. They oh, we could go on and on, but we're, we got, we're going to yep. move on. So before we move in to talking about the election, do you have any specific policies that you feel have impacted you the most that he has implemented? Um. Okay. Uh, well, okay. So me personally, as a uh, straight white dude who, you know, works, uh, you know, in the tech industry, mm -hmm. I come from a fairly elevated piece of, you know, place of privilege. You know, I, I do see the impact in the schools. I do see what it's, what's happening to the school boards. Um, but the personally impacted, uh, they passed a law that uh, put a 1% surcharge on my uh, home insurance. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so, weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like my my home insurance went up directly. And so it's 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 1%. And so, you know, it's it's 1% on a couple grand. And so it's like 20 bucks. So mm -hmm. they cost me 20 bucks per year. But I'm holding every Republican voter who voted for him and the legislature accountable. They all owe me 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, when we said uh, tax the 1%, that's not what we were talking about. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so I've had to switch home insurance, um, you know, a couple times over the past couple of years. My, my home insurance has, has steadily risen, um, you know, because of the environmental problems, which are happening globally, but also because uh, he's passing all of these silly culture war laws and he's not actually doing anything to, you know, improve the roads or, you know, improve health care or bring down insurance rates or, you know, anything that a government should be doing. Exactly. He's focusing on things that a, that a loud minority of people are going to care about. Most right. people... If you, if you break it down, most people don't care about transgender rights or LGBT rights. They're just like, I don't care. This doesn't affect me. I'm not gay. I'm concerned about my paycheck. I'm concerned about uh, having, a, having a roof over my head in five years and it not getting washed away in a storm. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I am, I am human, capable of empathy. I do, <laughs> I do feel for all of those rules, you know, all those laws. I think that they're you know, that they're terrible. You know, the abortion ban is... Oh, don't get me started. No, no, no. So yeah, it's like, you know, that, that you know, that impacts half of our population in a very negative and personal way. And, you know, just because it doesn't affect me doesn't mean I'm not aware of it and I don't care about it. I love that. That's... Okay, we're, we, I don't want to get too biased, but I love that answer. We're going to move on. <laughs> so talking about the election... In the primary, and already several more Republicans have jumped in since I recorded the previous episode with the supporter. Uh, Chris Christie is now thinking about entering. Mike Pence, uh, I think he's confirmed at this point. He has an announcement set uh, right. for later this month. So it is looking like more and more Republicans are joining in. How do you think uh, Ron is going to do against these, these people? I mean – so I, I would love to see him, you know, it's like uh, if if I could manifest uh, DeSantis's downfall so that way he lost the primary so bad that he didn't have a chance at, you know, unseating Rubio or Scott for the, you know, U.S. Senate and essentially ending his political career. I would love that for that to be the case. I don't I don't see that happening. Um, I don't see, you know, I think that if. Trump is taken out of the races for one legal trouble or another. I, you know, it, it's a matter of when. I think that if it happened today, DeSantis would be the heir apparent. But I think that as more and more people get to know <laughs> the bobbleheaded weirdo, <laughs> and, and as soon as he stops being someone who makes headlines for passing laws that rallies a certain subset of the population, and starts being a human being who is awkward on stage and awkward in coffee shops and awkward meeting people and not able to 
woo the journalists and woo the donors, I think that he's going to continue to drop. Uh, back when people were first sizing up the uh, field and he was kind of the, the, the heir apparent, he was only 10, 15 points behind Trump, which was pretty amazing at the time. But he's fallen behind 30 plus points now and, and continuing to drop just as more and more people are becoming aware. Um, you know, Norm MacDonald once made a terrible, terrible joke. I mean, you can censor this if you want. And he said, you know, I've been reading about this Hitler guy. And the more I read, the less I like him. <laughs> Fun fact, and, for, and, those who, uh, for those of you who are listening, Hitler never won a majority of the votes in Germany. So just just keep that yeah. in your noggin. It could save you later. I, I remember reading news stories that even the people who worked for him and got off of his staff and went to work for Trump uh, like the ex-DeSantis crowd in Trump's campaign is fueled by a special kind of hate for the man. So, you know, where you are the type of person that inspires that amount of spite, you know, that that can't be good in the game of personalities and ideas. And no matter how good your ideas are, because this is the problem Bernie had, and no matter how good your ideas are, no matter how popular are with people, you have to be popular with the people who write your paychecks. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta have the donors because unfortunately, money wins elections. Mm -hmm. And so. in, until we change that, we we gotta play by that game in order to yes. win. Yeah, yes, that's that's the toolbox that we have, and so you know it's why donating grassroots donating is is so so important. Mm -hmm. Not gonna tell you who to donate for, but you know get involved, donate your time, donate your money, donate your attention. Uh, because, you know, it's you versus, you know, the corporations versus the lobbies. Mm -hmm. And, and listen, if you're thinking about not voting, just just don't do that. Just vote. I mean, come on. <laughs> if if your vote didn't matter, why do they spend so much time and effort making it hard for you to vote and telling you it doesn't matter? Exactly. And there was a, there was and these voting laws you can't pass out water to people who are waiting in line. You can't share food. Like why? There was one incident. Uh, I think this one was resolved, but uh, a person was trying to give his employees the day off to vote. And they said, Oh, you can't do that. You could be influencing them one way or the other. It's like, well, it's just, I don't know what well, happened with that, but it's, well, it's I mean, someone, I, I forget who, but someone did say the quiet part out loud where some Republicans said, if everybody could vote, we wouldn't win elections. Mm-hmm. So that just goes right there. Your ideas aren't popular and you have a lot of this goes for the traditional Democrats as well. So anyone who's listening, don't say I'm targeting one party, but you have a lot of really, really old people who are so disconnected from reality, people who have been in power most of their adult life and they will not do anything. I mean, they will do anything in their power to hold on to the power they have. Mm -hmm. But so assuming so, this is what I predict is going to happen. I predict Trump. I don't know if he's going to get arrested or if he's going to fall under some health issues. I, I don't know, but I don't think he's going to end up lasting very long in the primary. And if he does, he's going to take down DeSantis with him. Even if his goal isn't to win anymore, he's going to make sure DeSantis doesn't win. Yeah. And I would, I, I would, I, 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 I would agree. I think that Trump <laughs> is also someone who's driven by spite like that. So even once Trump gets to a point where he's like, and I think as more and more time has gone by, he has become more, more detached from reality. Like there used to be a point where you could argue, oh, he doesn't believe these things he says. Uh, no, I'm, I really think he believes these crazy things that he says. Yeah, I, I think that he's repeated them enough times to himself that that he believes them. Oh, oh the election was stolen. Yes. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, his campaign filed over 50 lawsuits saying the election was stolen he lost 49 of them and the only one that he won was a technicality which deferred it to another court where it was then struck down yeah yeah i'm not sure those numbers are right but those are pretty much that, that's close enough to being right that you can believe me it's a recap yeah <laughs> yeah but if by some so what i think is going to happen is some third person will rise up out of nowhere and pretend to be a regular guy masquerading these outlandish republican policies and if it's that person i think there's a chance they could win but let's move on yeah. to this next part how do we think ron is going to do if by some 
some chance he makes to the general election against Biden? How's he going to do? Oh, man. I, 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 the only thing that I can compare it to maybe is like if Ted Cruz had won the 2016 primary, he won, I believe, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then uh, people got a good look at Ted Cruz. And this, yeah, this dark horse everyman showed up, you know, kind of zoomed out of the third and, and usurped and started dominating the primaries. And then Trump, you know, went on to win the nomination. So I think, yeah, it, it, it is possible that that someone might get <laughs> uh, someone might might usurp DeSantis. But I don't I don't think DeSantis is going to be the type of person who is is going to get people excited about voting for him. And I don't think that Biden is the type of person who is getting people really angry at him. So that way they they want to vote against him. So I, I you know, it's, it's tough. This is if a, a DeSantis Biden runoff is going to be tough. Neither candidate is is really has a history of exciting the base. Um, you know, I think that Republicans are going to turn out because Republicans turn out, but they're not going to turn out in 2020 numbers. Mm-hmm. Here, here's how I look at it. Biden is like my old grandpa who is really nice. He really means well, but occasionally he gets confused and thinks we're living in the 60s. But, you know, he can't help it. He's really old. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, uh, d- despite the fact that... Um, you know, Biden has had an unexciting policy. You know, if I could have, like, I do have legit criticisms of what he's done in the White House. I, I am not, you know, 100% on board with with everything. But my biggest complaint is how he doesn't do enough self-promotion. His team isn't talking up that infrastructure week finally happened and it didn't happen when Trump was president, you know, that we passed you know, all of this amazing legislation, all of these amazing infrastructure bills and how, you know, essentially his legislative agenda in the first two years was, you know, the the best two years we've seen in the past 20. And no one's talking about that. Yeah, and, he was you know, very successful with a lot of his major policy initiatives. I wish things could have gone further, but because of some people, I'm not going to name names, but Joe Manchin, because of some some people, things were stalled a little bit, but still things were a lot better than if the alternative was the yeah. case. So right now I'm undecided between voting for Biden or voting for a third party independent candidate. But uh, that's just because I've got some disagreements. But overall, I think if it were between Trump and Biden or Trump and DeSantis, Biden would clearly be, in my view, the, the better of the two. Yeah, because, yeah, voters show up more often to say F you than thank you. Mm-hmm. And so the Trump DeSantis or the not Trump DeSantis, uh, Biden DeSantis runoff, not enough Democrats would be motivated to show up to say thank you to Biden. But I think that in in a Trump Biden rematch, enough people would show up, especially especially the women who had the abortion rights uh, stripped out by you know Trump's federal court. Um, they're going to show up and they're going to say f you to Trump for that. But again, the 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 pro life base isn't necessarily going to show up to thank Trump for the abortion. So I think that that would be. Uh, you know, one of the big voting blocks that might tip the t- tip the scales uh, in this upcoming election. And something else about this this pro life base, they're very singular. A lot of them are in their thinking. Mm-hmm. So I've even had some people tell me, "Oh, abortion is is up to the states now. Now it's okay for us to vote for Democrats sometimes." Yeah. And I thought this was the most confusing thing ever, but I was like, "Okay, I'll take it." <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's like. Because, you know, democratic policy, it's like, you know, they're they're pro schools, you know, Republican kids go to schools and Democrats kids goes to school. So if you're pro schools, you want the party of pro schools. If you, you know, if you use infrastructure, if you use the roads, if you use logistics, if you, you know, the business, the lifeblood of business pumps on infrastructure, if you're pro business, pro infrastructure, well, the Democrats are also that too. So, yeah, like you said, once you get off of that issue then they are open to these more beneficial policies that do have a broader positive impact. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. I have one final question before we leave. Okay. And this is the only kind of trick question. So 
it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. I asked uh, asked the other guy the inverse, so I'm going to ask you to name one positive aspect of uh, of something that Ron has done. Oh man, it was hard for the other guy too. So I don't got yourself off. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, as part of the COVID statewide policies, as part of the lockdown policies, in order to preserve the economy, uh, Ron DeSantis and the rest of the Florida government under his lead made it possible to buy takeout liquor so you could go to the store and get you know curbside margaritas and i am going to stand by that as the sole positive thing that he's done for the state i remember when that happened in north carolina i was so excited i was like yes let's go it's great yeah yeah <laughs> who wants parking lot margs <laughs> I call up my buddy. Hey, meet me at Chili's. But Mike, they're closed. The pandemic. We can get them in the parking lot now. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But no. For those of you listening, thanks so much for listening. Especially if you disagree with us. And that's I love it when people disagree with me because you taking the time to listen to this, even though going into it, you know you're going to disagree. That's the first step towards growth. And so thank you for listening. I commend you for taking that first step. Now that you've done that, please grow some more. <laughs> yep. Thanks. It was. Uh... It was a pleasure. Thanks again for being here. I had a really good time. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. All right. At this point, the recording is over.